0: Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I thank you so much for taking some time out today to spend with me. Today is March 26, 2020, and we are still in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. So I know several of us have been uh, practicing social distancing, staying inside, and so hopefully we're using this as an opportunity to spend more time in the Word of God, to spend more time in prayer, to spend more time with our families, and to enjoy this time to kind of slow down a little bit, and to realize that all of our plans and our fast-paced lifestyles, uh, we are not in control of that. God is in complete control, James four thirteen through 17. But I would like to begin this episode a little bit different. I have three friends who have birthdays today, and so... Uh, hopefully you'll be listening to this next week, it'll come out on, on Tuesday, it'll already be past today, day, but uh, today, again, March 26th, Jeff Williams, one of the members here at Quitman, one of our deacons, a great friend, uh, his birthday is today. Also my friend Tyler Anderson, that I went to Freed Hartman, University with, played baseball with, and my childhood friend Ansley Williams Hamby, today's her birthday, so just wanted to give them a shout out as we begin Today marks episode 12 of season 1 of Weathering the Storm. And it is my prayer, it is my goal, to record three more episodes, including this one, uh, to close out season 1. And so we're going to begin a a three-part series today on Weathering the Storm of Religious Confusion. And my goal is to look at three key topics uh, that will hopefully help us. We're going to look at authority the one church, and salvation. And by doing so, we're going to go to the Word of God to find the answers. You know, we live in a world of religious confusion. I checked yesterday just to see what the number was up to, and it said that there are 34,000 denominations in the world. 34,000. And many of them claim to be Affiliated with uh, being Christians. But have you ever wondered why there are so many churches? Have you ever wondered why so many today practice all kinds of different things? Have you ever wondered why preachers are called by different names? You may be wondering, or you may be going through a storm right now of religious confusion. You have so many things thrown at you. Someone says you're saved by faith alone. And then someone says you're not saved by faith alone. Someone says you must be baptized to be saved. Someone else says no, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. It's an outward sign of an inward grace. Someone says there is a hell. Others say there is no hell. Friends, there is so much confusion going on in the world, but you know God said I'm not the author of confusion, but of peace. First Corinthians 14:33. And so I want to submit to you in this first episode, in this part one of this three-part series on religious confusion and how we can weather the storm, that it all boils down to a lack of respect for Bible authority. It all boils down to a lack of respect for what God has authorized in His Word. I want to begin by asking this question, what is our authority in religion? I believe that's a pretty important question, don't you? What is our authority? Is there an absolute standard of authority in religion? And the answer, of course, is yes, it is the Word of God. We find in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, literally meaning all Scriptures God breathed. It is given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished or fully equipped unto all good works. And so the Bible can make us complete. The Bible's perfect. Why do we need the commandments of men? Why do we need creed books? Why do we need disciplines, handbooks? Why do we need anything devised by man when the Word of God is able to make us perfect? The Word of God is complete. Jesus said, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. We know that God speaks to us today through His Word. That's what we find in Hebrews 1, 1-3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So he speaks to us today through his Son. Again, his Son has all authority. We find in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, that Jesus is at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. His name is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Again, that's Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. So Jesus has all authority, doesn't he? Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit. They are life John 6:68 6, Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me John 14:6 And so Jesus makes a very exclusive statement saying I'm the way I'm the one you need to be listening to And ultimately friends the words of Jesus will judge us in the last day John 12:48 We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things done in this body whether they are good or bad Second Corinthians 5:10. And so as we study this topic of authority and religious confusion, I want to submit to you three reasons why I believe there is such religious confusion in our world today. Number one, it's because man has twisted the word of God. Man has twisted the word of God. That's what we find in Second Peter chapter three verses 14 through 18. Peter speaks of the fact that the apostle Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. And we we certainly attest to that reading the book of Romans and Galatians. Uh, there are some things that that might take some time to to really dive into to to grasp. But then he said this, there are men who take the scriptures and they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. Friends, I believe that's what's happening in our world, don't you? Man, uh, sees what God says in His Word, but says, you know what? That doesn't fit what I think. That doesn't fit what people want to hear, so I'm going to twist it and make it sound a little bit different. And friends, that's been going on for centuries, and no doubt it's going on today. So the first reason why this religious confusion is prevalent in our world is because man has twisted the Word of God. Here's a second reason. Man has taught four doctrines, the commandments of men. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. He said, you draw near to me with your mouth. You, you draw near to me with your lips, but your hearts, they're far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Matthew 15:8 and 9. Jesus quoting from the prophet Isaiah. It was true in Isaiah's day. It was true in Jesus' day. And friends, it's true in our day. Men are teaching the doctrines of men, instead of the true true and pure doctrine of Christ, Second John 9. And so man has twisted the word of God. Man has taught for the doctrine, the commandments of men. But here's the third reason. Man has trusted in lies. Man has trusted in lies. The Apostle Paul made a very powerful statement. It's recorded for us in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9. He said, if any man preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed if he preaches a different gospel. You may be wondering, why does it say another twice there? Well, we have two Greek words there, alus and heteros. Heteros meaning different, alus meaning the same kind. He says they're, trying, they're preaching another gospel. It's a different kind which is not another. There's not another of the same kind. There's only one true gospel that must be preached that's going to result in people being saved. But sadly, men are preaching another gospel. Paul warned Timothy that this would happen. He said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the dead at his return and at his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, will they will not endure sound doctrine. They will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will be turned away from the truth, and they will be turned unto fables. They will be turned unto lies. 2 Timothy 4. through And so brethren and friends, we wonder why there's so much religious confusion in our world today. Here are those three reasons again. Because man has twisted the word of God, man has taught for doctrine the commandments of men, and man has trusted in lies. Now that we know the reason, now that we know the cause, and again it boils down to a lack of respect for Bible authority, how can we weather the storm of religious confusion? And I want to submit to you three ways. Number one, appreciate authority. Appreciate authority. Appreciate the fact that God has authority. His word has authority. Not man, not the doctrines of men, not the books of man, the commandments of man. God has authority, and His word authorizes by what it says. Friend, listen to me. If it agrees with the Bible, accept it. But if it does not agree with the Word of God, reject it. Again, our standard of judgment will be what Jesus has said. John twelve forty eight. And so the Bible authorizes in three ways. By direct statement, by implication, by approved example. You go to the Word of God and you find this direct statement. You have authority for that. What if it's implied in the text? You have authority for that. What if you have an approved example? You have authority. I want to give you an example of that, the Lord's Supper. We have a direct statement that we are to partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, to remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus instituted this Lord's Supper, Matthew 26, 26-29. We have the implication that the disciples met on the first day of the week, to break bread. They continue steadfastly in this, Acts 2, 42. And we have the approved example that the disciples met on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper, Acts 20 and verse 7. It's implied that they did this every first day of the week because every week has a first day. And therefore, we have authority to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of every week. We appreciate the authority of God's Word, and that's why... We strive to do that. Friends, again, God has all authority, and His Word is our standard of authority. We are subject to the New Testament, the law of Christ, as it is in effect today. Please read Hebrews 8, 9, and 10 to get a better understanding of this, as well as understanding Colossians 2.14, that that old law, that handwriting of ordinances which was contrary to us, Jesus put that to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. There is a new, living, better way. It's the way, it's the law of Christ that we are subject to today. We must not add or take away from what God has revealed. Deuteronomy 4.2, Proverbs 30 and verse 6, Revelation 22, 18 and 19. And so how do we weather the storm of religious confusion? We appreciate authority. Here's a second way to do it. Ask questions. Ask questions. Please don't blindly accept what your preacher says. And that's coming from a preacher. (laughs) Don't blindly accept what he says. Friends, I'm afraid that's what's happened to us. We blindly accept what our preacher says. We blindly accept what our family members say. Listen, on the day of judgment, that's not going to be the standard. The standard is going to be what God has said. I'm going to give you an example of this. I heard recently a denominational preacher saying, you do not have to be baptized to be saved. We are saved by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Have you heard that statement? That's a catchy statement, but it's certainly not biblical. A man is saved by words and not by faith only, James 2:26. You know, it's, the, it's interesting, or you look at James 2:24 through 26, rather, we see... Uh, The only time faith only is mentioned is preceded by the word not. So how I want to ask you this. Ask a question. If I'm saved by faith alone and grace alone, how in the world is that possible? Hear me out on this. If I'm saved by faith alone, is there room for anything else to save me? If I'm saved by faith alone, is there anything else that I need to do? Is there anything else that contributes to my salvation? Well, if we say faith alone and then we say grace alone, we've contradicted ourselves. In fact, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 5-9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works of merit. In other words, you can't earn your salvation, but there are certainly works that are involved in your salvation. Friend, did you know that belief is a work? John 6:28 and 29. That's that's your text. John 6:28 and 29. Jesus said, "This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent." Belief is a work. Baptism is a work. Yes, it's a work of God. Colossians 2:12. Faith in the operation of God. Friends, there is a response that you must make to the gospel. If you want to be saved, you must obey it. Romans 10:16. They have not all obeyed the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9, Jesus is coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we're not saved by faith alone. We're not saved by grace alone. We're not saved by hope alone. All three of those contribute to our salvation. And we're going to talk about that in, in part three of this series, but I just wanted to bring this out. Ask questions. If you hear something that's contrary to what you find in the Word of God, don't blindly accept it. Ask questions. Why is that? Why did he say that? Where is the book, chapter, and verse for that statement? Can I read that for myself? Is that in the proper context? Again, someone says you don't have to be baptized to be saved. What did Jesus say? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't believe, well, he's condemned already. Mark sixteen, sixteen. You have to believe and be baptized to be saved. We find in Acts 2.38, you have to repent and be baptized to be saved. We find in 1 Peter 3.21, baptism does now also save us. I want to read that again. 1 Peter 3.21, baptism does now also save us. But we have some in the religious world that says baptism does not save. What's the Bible say? Friends, we have to ask questions. We have to put it to the test. We have this example of the noble Bereans who did that. They searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not these things were so. They put it to the test. Let's put this to the true standard. And dear friends, God is always right. His word is always right. And we can take comfort in that. And that will help us weather the storm of religious confusion. We have to give diligence. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15. And so how does one weather the storm of religious confusion? We've noticed he or she must appreciate authority. He or she must ask questions. But here's a third and final point that I'd like to make as we close out today. Approach the scriptures with humility. Approach the scriptures with humility. Jesus did an amazing thing. He did several amazing things, but one that's always jumped out to me is recorded in Matthew 18, 1 through 4. You remember the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who will be the greatest? Jesus took a little child. He said, You want to be great? Be like a child. If you do not humble yourself like one of these children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be humble like a child? What does it mean to have a childlike approach to the Word of God? It means to be honest. It means to be inquisitive. Ask questions. It means to be loving. It means to be forgiving. You spend time around children, and you learn that very quickly. The way that they love, the way that they want to know more, the way that they can learn from their own mistakes, the way that they're honest and humble. We need to have a childlike mentality, a childlike approach going to the Word of God, realizing, you know what? I don't have the answers, and no man has the answers. But I know that the God of heaven has the answers, and all things that pertain unto life and godliness have been revealed in His Word. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. You know, Peter uses this example of children. He says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, 1 Peter 2, two. We need to have that desire to know the truth. And the Bible says that we can know it, and we can obey it, and we must. You know, God, as we read in Isaiah one eighteen, gave this amazing statement. He said, come, come now and let us reason together. That's what we need, friends. We want to weather the storm of religious confusion. We want to find the truth and and obey it and do what God says to do. Be reasonable. Come to the scriptures and be reasonable with it. Marshall Keeble, the great gospel preacher, said, You don't have to be smart to become a Christian. You just have to be honest. And I would add to that, you have to be humble. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. James 1, 21. And so we live in this world of religious confusion and it boils down to a lack of respect for Bible authority. We've noticed that God has all authority, that all His authority is found in His Word and the Bible authorizes by what it says, not by what it does not say. The reason we have so much confusion is that man has twisted the Word of God, taught for doctrine the commandments of men, and trusted in lies. And so for us to weather the storm of religious confusion, we must appreciate authority, ask questions, and approach the scriptures with humility. Friends, I hope that this episode and this series of episodes on religious confusion will help you weather the storm. Next week, Lord willing, we will begin a study of the church, the one church that we find in the New Testament, before closing out with our third episode the following week on what must I do to be saved. I'm looking forward to that study. I hope that you'll join me again next week. And again, I hope this episode will help you in some way. I'd like to close this episode as well as the next two with a passage from John 8, verses 31 and 32 from the lips of Jesus Christ. If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Thank you so much and may God bless you.